Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. I have a surprise for you. So we have a scripture reading today. And I'm going to ask my sister, none other, your sister too, none other than Ashley Turner to come forward with the scripture reading for this morning. Good morning. I'm going to read the scripture today. It's coming from Matthew 5, um, 1 through 12. And I'm reading the NLT version. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their needs for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are poor, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things again against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Thank you for the reading of the word. Amen to the word, to the reading of the word. Thank you so much, Ashley. I sprang that on her. She was just coming up here to help me. And I said, oh, no, you're going to work today. <laughs> so that all worked out. But isn't it amazing? We just finished singing about the blessing. And then we bring it here to the beginning of what we all know, or some of us know, as the Sermon on the Mount. And that that is the blessing as well. You know, we think about the blessing from generation to generation, but how rich is it to know that, you know, blessed are we because we need him and the kingdom of heaven belongs to us. Some translations say poor in spirit, but that's what that means. You know, he became poor so that we could become rich. That was in spirit. So we're blessed and the kingdom of heaven is ours. So and I don't want to get ahead of myself. I can really go there really quickly, but I want to do things decent and in order. I want to welcome you and say good morning. Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our pastor is, our lead pastor is Dwayne L. Wright. I am his wife, Courtney. I'm honored to be sharing the word of God with you today. I pray that you will be blessed. Um, I won't go into this long introduction and a long list of greetings like I did last week, so don't brace yourself for that. Um, but I do want to welcome all of our friends and family and visitors who are joining us from all across the country, and especially our first-time guests. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we just want to welcome you, and we pray that you're blessed. We know that there is a smorgasbord of selection these days when it comes to online worship, and so we're humbled that you would choose to come here and be led to worship with us today. So thank you. Um, we're grateful, and we pray that you'll be refreshed and revived. Um, and then, of course, to our returning guests, and of course, to the best church family in the land, the people of Kingdom Living Ministries. Go ahead and give it up for yourself. Let me see some claps. Hallelujah. Let me see some hearts. That's all for you. That's all my love for you. 
Um, and we're just so grateful for your continued support of our church, especially in these virtual streets, right? I mean, we know it's not easy or ideal right now, and we just want to acknowledge you and thank you for pressing your way together through the means we have available each week. Um, we, we are just so grateful. So on behalf of my husband and the ministers of this church, I thank you for allowing us to lead you and support you during these crazy times and for allowing us um, to, to just be here and, and to be here for you and that you follow us as we follow Christ. Um, so thank you for submitting yourselves to the vision and to the oversight here. Um, we're humbled uh, by your continued trust in us and we're honored to serve you. All right, so, and I am happy and humbled and honored to once again be delivering the weekly message. Um, last Monday's sermon was safe right here and we took a closer look at what it means and what it looks like to apply and functionally live within the promises of protection in Psalm 91. Today, we're gonna to look at how God takes care of everything we need when we seek the kingdom. Y'all ready for that? So today's message is when we seek the kingdom. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we do thank you for all that you are, for all that you're doing in our lives even in the midst of the things that we see around us. We are safe here with you, and we don't take it lightly, nor do we take it for granted. We thank you for this day, for this time that you have called us together to worship. God, I thank you for our pastor, Lord, that you would bless him in his absence from this pulpit today. And I thank you, Lord, that you would anoint me afresh, that I might speak a word to the weary in due season. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for endowing me this day to take this meat, break it down, and give what you've given to me to your people. Lord, it's an honor, and I with fear and trembling accept and am grateful for your call upon my life and for this task on this day. Bless everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord, that they would be strengthened and encouraged. I pray that their hearts are good ground. God, I thank you, Lord, that you who have sent this word to them, that it would be planted, that you would water it, that others would water it, and that you would bring the increase. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 And I just want to also thank God that we won't have any more technical interruptions. I don't know what was going on up there, but I carried on. I was minding my business because it wasn't my business. I kept singing. I don't know if y'all heard it or not. I kept going. Amen. And I think that's sort of a good segue into um, what we're talking about today. So as I said last week, I brought you greetings from the secret place. Today, I bring you greetings from not just our church kingdom living ministries, but straight from the kingdom of God. Yes, this morning I'm here to tell you I'm a queen submitted to the king of kings and, and the, in my case, the king of queens and the Lord of lords. King Jesus, who lives and rules forever right now, though we can't see it. He is seated on the right hand of the father. And here I am raised from death to life right here with him seated in heavenly places. That's right. And we all are. And you might be sitting on your couch or reclining somewhere around your house comfortably watching this message. And I'm obviously up here in the sanctuary at this podium and Ashley's over there and Dave is over there. So you might be asking, what am I talking about? That we're all seated in heavenly places We're right here on earth waiting out this pandemic and trying to get through this lockdown. Well, I'm coming to tell you today that every one of us who are here, who, who have been raised from death to life, that is, we are spiritually seated, all of us together in the heavenly realm with Jesus, 
See, that's a kingdom mindset right there. But I don't want to get ahead of myself, so let me take a few steps back because I'm not even preaching Ephesians 2 today. So <laughs> as I said before, I brought you greetings from the secret place last week and explained how we're safe right here. Today, I want to tell you that by God's grace, through faith, we're, we're safe right here in the kingdom. That we're no longer strangers or foreigners, but citizens of the kingdom of God's dear son. And there's nothing safer than that. To spiritually be right here with him. For him to be right here seated on the thrones of our hearts where we crown him king. By grace, through faith. That's the kingdom. I've come to talk about what happens when we seek the kingdom. The kingdom. It's become such a buzzword, hasn't it? So many voices over the past 20 years or so have written or spoken things about it. And in my opinion, some of that may be causing people to lose sight of what the kingdom really is and will be. Right. The present kingdom is simply Jesus's rule and authority as Messiah, the true and long awaited king of Israel. And we gain access to that kingdom simply by submitting to God, repenting, believing and confessing Jesus is Lord. We're in the kingdom. That's how we get there. The mystery of the kingdom is that while part is here, part is still to come. It's both a present reality and a future reality. Certain aspects of the kingdom are available to us now, while other aspects are yet to come. Just like we are saved and we, we were saved and we will be saved. But I'm not going to go into all of that today. Today's message is about the present kingdom. We're going to focus on that and what it has to do with the righteousness of God. Focusing on that area hits home for a lot of us these days because we see in Matthew 6.33 that it says this, and I'm reading the New Living Translation. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now, better known translation says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. We're going through a time where some people aren't employed or are underemployed or really have real concerns about where resources are coming from to survive, to take care of things as normal. I'm here to tell you today that there's an order to this, that if we seek the kingdom, everything that we need is going to be provided. And if that's not a reality to you today, I hope by the end of today's message, you'll understand it a little bit better and be able to apply that. That not only in this secret place are you safe and you, from harm and you can enjoy peace, but you can also enjoy provision. You can trust God to do what he says. So seek the kingdom of God above all else, the New Living Translation says, and live righteously. And he will give you everything we need. Or excuse me, everything you need. So the title of this message again is when we seek the kingdom. That verse is so short and powerful. It's excerpted, of course, from Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, which Ashley started us off with in the scripture reading today. The Sermon on the Mount happens in chapters five through seven. And so before we get into that anymore, I want to kind of set up the scene so we understand better. I mean, we all know the Sermon on the Mount and the multitudes came and he preached. Right. Um, but I want to take it back a few chapters so that we can really understand the context of what's going on. So in Matthew chapter three, John the Baptist, Jesus's first cousin, Elizabeth's son, 
is this wild man and he's in the wilderness um, preparing the way for Jesus to come. He's baptizing and he's proclaiming for all to hear, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's the New Living Translation of verse two in chapter three. And by the end of chapter three, Jesus is asking to be baptized. Then he comes out of the water. The heavens open. The spirit of God descends like a dove and settles on him. And John hears a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In Matthew four, Jesus is taken into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasts 40 days and nights. Remember that. And then he defeats Satan with the word. It is written every time Satan came out of his mouth trying to twist the scripture. Then the Jesus came to minister, the, excuse me, then the angels came to minister to Jesus. And when he finds out that John is in jail, after he comes out of that and that no one is preparing, the, proclaiming that they're preparing the way for him anymore, it's now time for Jesus's ministry to begin. And he travels around the region, fulfilling everything prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. And in verse 17, he picks up where John left off, proclaiming the very same thing John had been saying in chapter three, verse two, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So by the end of chapter four, we see that Jesus has picked up his first disciples and then his first four anyway. And then his ministry begins to draw large crowds because the news is spreading everywhere that this man has the ability to heal diseases and drive out demons. And then we get to chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, some people even call it the King's Sermon, um, where Jesus breaks open the word and starts breaking it down in a way that they'd never seen before. So much so that by the end of chapter seven, you know, everybody is expressing that, look, he's preaching better than anybody we ever heard. He has more authority than even, you know, the folks in the synagogue. So he is teaching like the entire boss, ruler, and king that he is, demonstrating all power and authority in his teaching. He's fulfilling the word by breaking it down to set himself up as the long-awaited Messiah King and his long-awaited kingdom. So I want to take a few more steps back just to further add to the context here. You got to remember that God never intended for anyone to rule as a human king over Israel but we know that happened anyway, right? Because the Jews kept asking and they begged and begged and begged God. So he permitted them to crown Saul their king, right? And we know what happened with that. We know what mess that became. And then here comes King David, um, who was anointed as king. And by God's mercy, um, at the proper time when King Saul was rejected, he was replaced by King David. And you'll notice throughout per the periods of history, if you go and take a look, you know, on your own time, that the kingdom of Israel was always constantly under these attacks, period upon period of chaos and turmoil, even into exile and things like that, until finally the area is overthrown by the Roman Empire. And when Jesus was born into the kingdom of Judea, it was actually under rule of a client king situation. So King Herod was allowed to rule the Jews by permission and oversight of Rome. But by the time Jesus's ministry began, there was no longer a natural human king of the Jews. The area was now under the rule of the Roman emperor Pontius Pilate. So Jesus coming and setting himself up to fulfill the prophesied Messiah, king of Israel, and then telling people to seek the kingdom of God was very radical. 
You understand what we're saying now? Like he's coming in this context saying the kingdom of God is here. Your kingdom got ripped up because it was jacked up from the beginning. Anyway, it was never supposed to be here. And now here it is. He taught with kingdom authority and brought so much order order that, like I said, in chapter seven, at the end, um, everyone said he taught with real authority, unlike the teachers of religious law. So we get back to the main scripture for today, Matthew 6:33, and what that means to us today. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Well, in order to break that down, I think a lot of us are so familiar with that. We're familiar with this idea, this concept, this term kingdom. And, you know, him being our righteousness. But in application, functionally, what does that mean today? And how can that give me comfort if I can't pay my bills or it seems that I'm not able to pay my bills or that I won't be able to um, have clothes to wear or food to eat? This is how we break that down into a way that we can apply it. First, we have some questions we need to answer. We already talked about what the kingdom is, but I want to ask you, what does it mean to seek the kingdom? What does it mean to seek? So that word in the Greek is actually zateo. Everybody say zateo. Y'all put it in the comments wherever you are, and let's see who spells it right. Don't look it up. Sound it out. Zateo. Okay, I'll tell you. It's Z-E-T-E-O. Zateo. And it's, it's the word that's translated seek, and that's what it means. But think about the action. Seeking to find something. Seeking aiming for, striving for. Um, another definition um, could even be worship, which reminds me, of course, of the scripture that we all know that the Lord is seeking worshipers. The Lord is seeking worshipers. I heard a teacher um, back a while back say that, you know, that kind of seeking that God is doing, he's turning things over. Like he was illustrating it like God is looking for worshipers. And he was like, you know, tearing up his pulpit. But I want to submit to you that in that same way, that's how we should be seeking the kingdom. We should be aiming for the kingdom in everything we do. We should intentionally be seeking the kingdom. The kingdom should be our motive. We should be seeking to understand the king of the kingdom. And we should be seeking to understand what he requires. Not so that we have this long list of things that we need to fulfill in our own strength, but so that we understand exactly what happened when we were delivered out of darkness and into light and that he's empowering us to be able to do and to, to, to express the things um, that we call living righteously. Okay, so we're going to dig into that a little bit, but I want you to understand this. Seeking God is not passive. You're not going to just seek God. But OK, I guess I'm going to just wait here and seek God. I mean, that just is contradictory. It is an active, intentional act of trying to know him and understand him, gain wisdom, gain understanding, gain fellowship. So we're seeking the kingdom, seeking the kingdom above all else, the ways of the kingdom above the ways of the world the ways of the kingdom above the laws of the land, the ways of the kingdom rather than the restrictions of society and nicety and all of those things. We're kingdom people. 
And that is hard for a lot of us who live in this country. We don't really understand anything about being under kingdom authority because we're a democracy. Because, you know, the very heartbeat of our country is that we, we pulled away from, you know, a monarchy. And I'm not trying to equate an earthly kingdom with a heavenly kingdom. Understand that. But what I'm saying is that those who understand earthly kingdom can have a better concept of what it means to be under authority. The whole world knows that in this country, we're rebellious. We throw tea in the ocean, okay? We do what we want to do, all right? That's just the mark of this land. And that is, that is hard to live and, and be a part of and then come back and understand that, oh, no, but we're a part of the kingdom where there's order and there's rule and the Lord Jesus is our king and we're submitting to him and his authority. And the thing about it is, you know, even though we submit to him, we still have freedom. We understand that, right, by the spirit. But these ideas are just so contradictory and hard to grasp in our own strength and in our flesh. So we have answered what the kingdom is. We've answered what it means to seek the kingdom. So now, what does it mean to live righteously? What does it mean to live righteously? You can throw some ideas down there in the comments. Seeking the kingdom today means filtering out everything else contrary. And it informs everything we do and say by the way we live, which is where God's righteousness comes in. So he's looking at how we're living. And these chapters from five through, I mean, from five through seven in these verses, Jesus, he breaks down, he gives a list of all of these things. And it's impossible, even if you commit that to memory, to try to, to earnestly try in your own strength to do all of those things, right? You can easily burn out or come to a place where, you know, you're feeling like a failure. But that's where the grace of God comes in. It's not about doing these things. That's not what makes you righteous. Christ made us righteous. But the evidence that he did that is that we live righteously. You understand? So there should be evidence in the way that we live, in the way that we talk, in the way that we relate to one another, that Christ, has, that Christ is here, that he has been here, that he has done some work, that he is doing some work. But it's not because we're working at it. It's not our work, it's his work. And how we live is the outflow of that. How we live is the outflow of how we're working out our salvation. How we live is an outflow of our understanding of what the Lord requires and us yielding to that, of it just coming out of our lives, even when we're not really trying. That The only thing that we're trying to do is seek him and please him. So on this side of the cross, we understand that Christ is our righteousness. But the audience at the Sermon on the Mount couldn't understand that part quite because the, the way that we can. Jesus talked about the Pharisees and the scribes and how the righteousness of God's people had to exceed that. And we know that they were known for doing things outwardly, an outward display of righteousness, an outward display, and then also being judgmental to other people. So with everything that Jesus laid out in these scriptures, we can tell, according to what he's saying, whether we're living righteously through four main areas. Our attitudes, that's in chapter five, that's the Beatitudes, right? Our desires, that's chap the first part of chapter six. 
our ambitions, the latter part of chapter six, and then the way we function in relationships. That's how we can tell whether we're living righteously. That's, how, that's where we see the fruit of living righteously, in our attitudes, our desires, our ambitions, and our relationships. So I just want to look at that a little bit deeper. I want to talk about this idea of righteousness being evident in our attitudes. You know, Jesus broke down, hey, um, after the Beatitudes, so isn't that neat, Beatitudes and attitude, but it's really not related. <laughs> it's a whole different word. But, you know, after that, Jesus goes into, you've heard this, but I say this. So is he contradicting what the word of God says? No, he's dealing with the heart there. He's dealing with the heart in those scriptures. He's because the nature of humanity is to try to do the very basic little, the, the very basic least, and then try to find a loophole around that. Um, on Thursdays, our church, we have a, we started a fellowship on Thursday nights and we just completed our second week. And so we did a scavenger hunt this week and people were trying to bend those rules. Y'all know y'all were. I asked for a t-shirt. Can it have long sleeves? No, a short sleeve t-shirt. I asked for a wooden spoon. Can it be a fork? No, it's a spoon. Does it have to be wooden? Come on. <laughs> We're always looking for the way that we can do something with the least amount of effort or in some cases doing the most to avoid doing what is required and saying, oh, well, I still hit the requirement. And that's, that's about attitude. What is, what is your attitude like? Are you constantly looking for a way to do what pleases you? Or are you constantly looking for a way to do what pleases God? What is your attitude like? Is it self-serving? Do you want it to be all about you, everything that's going on? You have to be self-centered and self-indulgent. What is your attitude like? You know, we talk a lot about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but the truth is, when we read about the way that they saw things and did things, we really, sh it's almost like holding up a mirror to our natural inclinations, right? So part of it is we guard against it by understanding that by seeking the Lord, we know better what to do. We know better what's required of us and we know better that we have to depend on Christ in order for it to be done, in, or in order for that evidence of a changed attitude to be existent in our lives, that we need Christ. We need to depend on him. So the question to ask yourself is, you know, like Patti LaBelle, <laughs> I'm sorry, do you have a new attitude? <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Do you have a new attitude? Or is it the same ugly attitude you had before Christ and it's just another iteration, it's just another day on this side of you saying yes to the Lord, but you haven't changed your nasty attitude. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> I'm asking for me. It's so easy with everything that was going on right now with the pressures, um, the stressors, the depression, everything that we're facing in trying to move through this and maintain, maintain our jobs, maintain our families. It's easy to give ourselves license to just do and be any kind of way. And listen, be kind to yourself. You're not gonna be 100 every day. You got a lot going on. 
but it's not about those days when you actually are weak. It's about what are you doing to guard against it? What is your real perspective on it anyway? Are you really spending time with God? Are you really doing the disciplines of being a follower of Christ so that you can, the water of the word can wash you and renew you and restore you? Can you see the grace of God in your life when it comes to your attitude? The next place that righteous living plays out is in our desires. What do you want? What do you want? What do you really want? Now, in Matthew 6, Jesus refers to three different kinds of behavior that determine what your, desire, what your desires will be. That's giving, prayer, and fasting. Giving, prayer, and fasting. And he gives instructions on how to give. Don't give to be seen. What's your desire? Is your desire to be seen or is your desire to give? What do you really want? To be seen or to be a blessing? When you pray, what is it that you really want? To connect with God or to be seen? Oh, she, that, what a holy woman of God. Oh, she's just anointed. Oh, he can pray. What do you really want? And fasting. Oh, face all white. Oh, you know. Oh. Mm. Oh. Well, you know I'm fasting, so. Now, in this day and age, and I will say this, when I'm fasting, I'm not fasting always, you know, for, you know, spiritual reasons. I do intermittent fasting. I know a lot of you do, too. So you may see me one day say, oh, I'm hungry, if you ask. I try not to dwell on it, because doesn't that make you hungrier when you try to, like, you eat within your window? And you're like talking, meditating about how hungry you are. If you're doing it right, actually, you don't get hungry during that window. You know, sometimes I have to remind myself to eat. So we know that that's a physical response to fasting. So isn't it evident what someone's desire is? If we know, those of us who do the intermittent fasting know that, you know, at a certain point, you're not hungry. You know, you get through that hard period of a few days, but at a certain point, you're not hungry. But here comes somebody who's not eating. And they got to let everybody know that they're fasting for Jesus. Their desire is not to know God and to be positioned to hear more clearly and to, you know, it, that's not the desire. But I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about me. I don't want you to look at anybody else but you because I'm asking you, what is your desire? Because your desires reveal the level of righteous living that's going on. Um, so we give, we pray, we fast, but we don't do these things in order to attract attention. We do them because of the purpose for why we're doing them. We give to be a blessing because it's right to do, because we, it's in our heart. We give cheerfully and not grudgingly to others that we you know, want to be a blessing to. We pray because we want to talk to God. We want to commune with him. And we fast because we want to deal with our flesh. We want to position ourselves um, to be better and, to, and to, know, to know him and to know his kingdom better, right? So if you're not doing it for the right reasons, you don't have the right desires. So we talked about attitude. We talked about desires. Now I want to talk about ambitions. And this is where we meet Matthew 6.33 in this context. Because Jesus is saying, don't take a thought for what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, 
Don't worry about any of these things because you can't make a hair on your head black or white, right? Because he says, idolaters seek these things. But you first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. What is it that you're really after? What you're after, what you're striving for is an indicator of the condition of your heart. Do you have to have a new car just because you want one and it's nice? Is that your ambition? Or are you seeking the kingdom first and the purchase that you make for that vehicle has to do more with what, he, what his purpose and his desire is? Probably not the best example, but it really is coming down to that. How much are you focused on the kingdom? How intentional are you in seeking the kingdom in everything that you do, including what your ambitions are? And then the fourth evidence of righteousness has to do with relationships. And that's in chapter seven. We don't judge others so that we won't be judged. Does that mean that we overlook sin in one another? No, by no means. Just to be clear, you got a lot of people talking about, don't judge me, only God can judge me. If you're not saved, it doesn't apply to you. <laughs> we should not be judging people who don't know Christ about stuff they're doing. Let me say this again, louder. We should not be judging people who are not saved for anything that we perceive them to be doing that is ungodly because they don't know God. Judgment is reserved for the, house, the household of faith, the people who say they know God. But we don't point out sin in our brothers and sisters. We should not be getting joy from that. The focus should always be on ourselves. When you're living righteously, you're not seeking the speck in somebody else's eye. You're checking yours for the beam. That's righteous living. So it's not so much about the judgment. It's about the focus. That probably is one of the most pharisaical characteristics is looking so much at what other people are doing. Why do you care what other people are doing? Why does it make you so mad what other people are doing? And then you just permit yourself to live like hell. You permit yourself to be led by your flesh continually. Always looking at what somebody else is doing wrong instead of looking at how can you be better. Because look, I don't want you to stay at the place where you're concentrating on what you're doing wrong. For the glory of God, concentrate on how he's made you better and how he can keep making you better and how you can yield yourself to that. That's righteous living. So, I, want, I, I brought all four of those in mind because that's the whole, like the, like the four aspects of righteous living when it comes to the Sermon on the Mount. But I want to go back specifically to 633. Don't worry about what you need. If you know God, if you are called by him out of darkness into light, if you're born again, if you're saved, 
know that God is not going to have his seed begging for bread. You're going to be okay. You have a community of people around you who are going to be the hands and feet of Jesus to make sure you have what you need. Seek the kingdom. Seek his righteousness and everything you need will be added. I'm a witness. Everything you need will be added. Will be added. Everything you need will be provided for you by making the kingdom your priority. So that's all I really wanted to share today. Um, I pray that you got something out of it. Um, I pray that you're all encouraged more than anything else to live from the inside out rather than the outside in. That is very challenging in this day and age with social media. You know, we live in an Insta society where what you see is definitely not what you always get. So you can't be moved by what you see. It's such a dichotomy because we're people who are called to walk by faith and not by sight. But we sure love to please the, the, to please the lust that we want our eyes to find. We love to please. We're pleasure seekers in that way if we're not careful, if we're flesh ruled and reigned. The lust of our eyes. that temptation to want to be seen and to want attention instead of to be present in the moment and do what you're actually doing. Let me just, oh, I'm preaching. <laughs> Watch me preaching. He ain't saying nothing. Watch me raising my kids. Look at us, we, we dressed and we clean and them children don't know anything about God from you. And if I'm talking to somebody, I'm talking to me. Living righteously. Seeking the kingdom and living righteously. So I just want to say this. I want you to know that what we're going through right now is not normal. It is a lot. Let's be clear about that. But this is not the time to be self-serving and to have a pity party and to stop seeking God. This is not the time to throw away all that you know to be true. This is the time to continue seeking, to continue to get to know him, to continue to understand his kingdom, to get to understand his ways and his statutes and understand most importantly, his grace and his ability to save and restore and keep us from falling. I'm here to tell you today that you will be provided for when you seek first the kingdom of God because his provision is what happens when we seek the kingdom. Let us pray. Father God, you are so good to us. You are so merciful. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your understanding. Thank you for the truth of your love, for new mercies every day, for all that we need in each day to do what you called us to do. Truly, there's enough trouble for this day for us to be worried about what's going to happen the next and the next and the next. But we know and we trust that even as you modeled Jesus to pray, 
and to thank God for the bread that we have today, to be thankful and be present in this day to do what you've called us to do, to seek your kingdom, not riches, not wealth for the sake of those things, but seeking you and enjoying the byproducts because of your goodness. Maybe it does bring those things, maybe it doesn't. But God, we just want you. We're seeking you. We're looking for you. We're aiming for you. We're striving for you. Our desire is to worship you. Lord, hear the cries of our heart for those of us who have been consistently looking you over and not looking for you. Lord, turn our hearts toward you once again. Lord, let us remember our first love. Restore the joy of our salvation. And for those of us who are pushing through, still trying to get to you no matter what, thank you, Lord, for continuing to give us the strength. Thank you that your joy is our strength. And that as we get through these hard days, even if they call and say that I've only got two more weeks on my job, even if they call and say your mortgage is three months behind, even if they call and say we got to come take that car now. Lord, our trust is in you and we know that you are with us and that you are working for our good, that you are for us, even as the song said, even in our weeping and you are for us in our rejoicing. So in everything, oh God, we will give thanks and we will seek your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pray you were blessed. That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.